source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation. You can find more Texas Longhorn coverage at BurntOrangeNation.com. I'm your host, Gerald Goodridge, and I'm joined this week by, like I am every week, by a man with his cap to the side and his jersey vintage, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. That's a good line. Who uh, who are we repping today in that line? T- Diddy or Puff Daddy or now as he is uh, known, Brother Love. So whatever name, Sean Sean Combs is his government name. The man's got, uh, he's got more nicknames than uh, Mick Foley's WWE career. Hey, Foley, Foley was great. I, I love me some Mick Foley. Uh, I think he was also Brother Love, so... He, he may have been. That's a little thing we call synergy right there. That's good. That's good. So this week we're going to talk... Um, Probably the most unwatchable game of the season, TCU. Uh, we'll dive into a little Kansas preview, and uh, then we'll talk about some other sports. We've got some some room this week, so we'll talk about what else is going on. But before we jump in, I want to encourage you guys, if you like what we do, it would mean a lot to us. If you leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, it would help a lot with visibility. Share this with your friends, share it with your coworkers, uh, anywhere where you like Texas Longhorns, sports, anybody that you know. And again, you can find this podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, and Stitcher, so Subscribe there. Make it easier for you to get the podcast every week. So, Kyle, we had some high hopes last week. We felt pretty good about what was going to happen. We didn't. We didn't think it was going to be maybe a win, but we thought Texas would show up. And then, and then Saturday happened, and uh, Texas didn't show up. It was a twenty-four to seven loss. It was closer than I think the score indicates for most of the game, uh, but. Let's just let's just put it plainly like we do every week. Kyle, what the heck happened? Uh, yeah, we we predicted that Texas would go to the playbook and run the uh, get really close in big games play uh, or overall game that they run, and uh, it would be a heartbreaker as it usually is. Or maybe we would we would luck one out. Um, this looked like TCU was the better football team from the first play to the last play. They were the team that deserved to win the football game. Um, not not to take again from the, the defense who looked like they belonged on the same field with that TCU team but uh yet again the offense was uh abysmal particularly in the second half um of their 263 whopping total yards uh only 78 of those in the second half when TCU's defense just decided that UT wasn't going to do anything and UT just kind of rolled over like my dog when it wants a belly rub and said sure yeah go ahead I'll be right here so uh not a not a huge uh not a huge show not a lot of heart um you can find a couple silver linings in it, you know. Um, Danny Young, the freshman, got uh, got some carries. I think he got twelve carries for thirty-one yards, which is not setting the world on fire by any means. But that TCU run defense is ridiculous. They are very, 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 very good. Um, and he had a couple runs that looked pretty good. Um, so there's some hope there against the line. Um, we can talk about that line. Um, passing game was nothing to be excited about uh what do you think what was your what was your biggest uh you wish it could have been different i i think you hit on it pretty quick and that's the offensive line i think there was a spot where you saw Bouchelle was able to set his feet in the pocket and he went over top of that defense to uh to colin johnson for a long touchdown uh and that that was 
what should have been the game plan yep. is, you know, TCU for all of their defensive prowess, their corners aren't great. That's how uh, Iowa State managed to stay on the field and, and score twice against them. Uh, Alan Lazard didn't get on the scoreboard, but he had 106 yards, had a heck of a game. Um, and so they did that once, and Colin Johnson looked like the Colin Johnson he should have. And then um, some, whether it was the offensive line deteriorating, whether it was TCU um, shifting and, and Texas not making uh, the right adjustments. But the fact mm. of the matter is, I mean, TCU had, uh, I'm trying to count it up real quick. What is that? Four, six, seven sacks uh, on, on Saturday, which, which is absolutely just, just asinine. Like that, that, that can't happen. If you have, if you have any sort of hope of winning a game like that, you cannot give up that kind of pressure. It is not, not going to happen. You know, on top of that, there were three quarterback hurries and they had, you know, two or three extra you know, tackles for loss. So there, that's, that's not going to get the job done uh, when it comes to facing a team like TCU. Cause it's, you know, Bouchelle is the right. guy who the more throws he gets, the better he starts to look. Uh, and so he can't get into a rhythm. Obviously any quarterback, if yeah. they can't set their feet in the pocket, they're, they're not going to be able to, to <sighs> do anything with it. So let's just camp out there for a minute and look at the O line. So, you know what's what's going on there, Kyle? Is there is there a guy that man that I, maybe I was trying to think to of that to, to have some. You know, that, I, that, I hate to be completely uh, negative. Show out at least a little bit something to you among this group for and have a little positivity to take home. It's hard to say with this line. Uh, I know we've been giving back a lot of uh, a lot of the stick as the offensive coordinator, but there comes a point when we kind of know what we have. We know what our limitations are. We know the baseline of what these guys are. Um, and we expect to see a little bit of progress. You know, the young guys are a little bit older. They have some games, they have some reps. Um, yeah, you keep changing the line a little bit. So it's hard to get that perfect continuity. Um, obviously we know what's missing, but with what's there, I'm wondering where the coaching up is happening, where that step we're going to see. We thought, um, maybe Kirsch Setter looked in, in the beginning like he had some potential there. Okafor was banged up uh, in the week, according to Herman in, in his presser, um, and so he didn't really play much. Um, Vahe McMillan maybe looked decent sometimes. Um, Nicholson was not great. Uh, and CUNY, I mean, that guy looked like the offspring of an amusement park turnstile and an elderly Walmart greeter. Uh, he just kind of uh, pestered you a little asking how your day was as you walked past him trying not to make eye contact. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was bad. And there comes a point where you have to say, okay, like we've given you a lot of benefit of the doubt. We've given you a lot of grace. Like where's the point where we see something? We see even guys like Vahe. We see guys who've played games in past seasons. Um uh, get better everyone has regressed no one is no one is is taking any steps to be to be the guy and i get it it's, it's a unit it's five people it's communicating it's it's knowing where the other one's at but and of course you take you know hudson who is looking good out of course you connor williams elijah rodriguez uh you know i was thinking about it today we had the big grad transfer from uh last chance you the east mississippi uh, brandon hodges who who went to uh pit i believe right before the season so if you count that that's like losing a third tackle um you know it, it's tough it's very tough people aren't in their preferred positions we don't have our best players um but i just keep circling back to why can't we see something why can't we see some spark why can't we find something that works a little bit and again tc is a tough defense but i need to see it i need to see something if this is a team that's gonna not just wait until next year to, to go ahead and take something out of this season the fact that they've got essentially two guys that were slated to start at the start of the year uh with a with a couple of guys that that maybe weren't expected to to be called on 
called upon until next year, maybe even the year after, says a lot. And losing losing a guy like Connor Williams, you know, it, you you don't really talk a ton about leadership on the offensive line, but when you lose your leader on the offensive line, he's a team captain, he's a vocal guy. Uh, that hurts a ton because you've got guys that he would normally be able to be that on field coach for that he can't. He's not out there coaching them up. Yeah. He's not out there calling out defensive alignments. He's not out there making sure that you call out your gap assignments. He's not out there making sure that hey, we need to pick up the backside robber. Like that's what his. That's what his role is a lot on the offensive line. I know that usually mm-hmm. falls on the center, but when you've got a captain, you got a guy that's a first round NFL talent, he's he's going to he's gonna do a lot of that. Hopefully, prayerfully, we may get him back this week. He may take Kansas off and we'll see him in two weeks, but hopefully Williams is back some, through some sort of miracle. Mm-hmm. Um and like like you said, TCU they they specialize, I wrote it in the game preview, they specialize in creating havoc in the the opponent's backfield, but I did not think this was probably the worst performance I've seen out of this offensive line all year. It was just it was just abysmal. Yeah, and, and that's not to take anything away because it's a it's a bad unit against a good unit and that doesn't make the good unit any less good. TCU's defensive front was incredible. I mean their run defense is the number one in the nation, but they held Texas to their fourth worst rushing total in school history to nine rushing yards uh total when you take take losses in, into account um and that's 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 not good i mean tcu is giving up and again these stats are inflated by a really bad texas performance but that's only one of of uh their games this season giving up uh, just over two i think 2.15 yards per carry and under 70 yards per game and since ut actually led the nation in uh that similar situation really good defense offense couldn't quite uh, hang with them in 09-2010. They, they gave up 72 yards per game, and since then only the 11-12 Bama team and the 2016 Bama team have, have given up less than 70 per game. So right now TCU would be the third um, in a decade. So, I mean, they're a good team. They're a very, very good team. Don't take anything away. Um, but like you said, I think there was areas we could have backed them, just maybe not running the ball if we could get a competent passing game, and we just didn't, didn't take advantage. And even, I mean, I know you had, uh, you had in the notes just a little bit about the receivers, but can we talk a little bit about the schemes? I, I didn't feel like we were putting our best guys out there in the best packages for them to succeed. Did you did you get that feeling? I felt like half the play, I was just like, what is this? What is this package? Why is he on the field? Yeah, it seemed like a weird, weird concept. I'm not sure. I think what they were trying to do is get height on the field at all times because that's that's yeah. been TCU's downfall. So you have you know yeah. little Jordan Humphrey out there with a the guy who's shorter. You've got Colin Johnson out there with a the guy who's shorter. Uh, so I think that may have been the the intent. I'm not sure if the execution. Oh, the execution obviously didn't turn out well because you know outside of little Jordan's 109 yards, which yeah, he's he's become probably the best receiver on the team. Oh, definitely the most consistent. Yeah. Um, Colin was the next behind him with half as many carries and, and, you know, 60 fewer yards. So it's not a big, there's a big chasm between the two, yeah. but let's not, let's not beat the the offense up too much because we basically do that every week. So let's, <laughs> let's give them a break right. for a second. Um, let's talk about the defense briefly. Cause again, uh, you mentioned it off the top, the defense had probably outside, uh, other than Maryland, we can throw out Maryland as the outlier, but outside of Maryland, their worst defensive performance of the year. Um, and it's hard to say in the Big 12 that 24 points right. is a bad defensive performance, but when you're giving up, 
17 and and to OU and OSU, you get you get a little frustrated. So um, you know, this is the first time this year that I've seen the defense actually get driven on in in this way. You know, all of TCU's scoring drives were longer than 70 yards. So all all of those plays add up. You know, they're on the field for 33 and a half minutes, which is a lot. Uh, but they weren't able to come up with some of those clutch plays like they had in the past. You know, TCU had converted yeah. on both of their fourth down conversions. So uh, Kyle, what what do you think was went wrong? What do you think was the issue? And and uh, were, were there any bright spots at least for you on that defensive performance? Yeah, I think, um, and we've said this a couple games. I think Todd Orlando does a good job in the halftime. I don't know if he's got the good orange slices or what, um, but I think the the defense came out really bad, really slow, or, or conversely, TCU came out really hot um, at home. TCU is averaging forty eight and a half points per game at home. I mean, they're uh, so Texas held them to to half of it. That's a good. That's a good showing. You know, that's that's no no slouch. And and Kenny Hill. First quarter looked like he was just going to torch and go off for a Heisman caliber game. Had 141 yards in the first quarter. Uh, they held him to 41 yards after that. I mean, so uh, there were some signs, some things that looked good. Um, there was a couple, a couple scampers where he got out of the pocket just because uh, they were dropping back like they've been doing to some success in that in that time package and, and getting some guys back um, and taking care of those. But I think we have strong enough corners that I almost would have liked to see uh, a spy on Kenny Hill. And I bet if Orlando had it to do over again, he might have done that. And, and just having that may have changed a couple plays, which changes a little bit of the course of the game. I'm not saying that changes it that's a win or a loss but uh but yeah you know there's just a couple things in hindsight it's 2020 but uh but no I thought there was a couple bright lights and I and I don't think it should be overlooked at all um that that playing in a game when he hasn't really gotten a lot of chances Antoine Davis came in uh and looked really good in that nickel spot for PJ Locke and I I think right now today PJ Locke comes back and it looks like he's Mm -hmm. maybe a little dinged up but I don't think that's his spot just his back you know he's gonna earn it back uh, because Davis was was one of our best players on defense. Yeah, yeah Davis uh, finished the game fourth with with tackles. He had seven tackles. He was great in run support. Uh, he had a he had a big pass break breakup too that that was really impressive. So I, I'm pretty impressed with the young kid there. Yeah. Um, my man Puna Ford. I talk about him every week. Oh, he yeah. finally got finally got some shine. Seven tackles. You know, mm-hmm. half a sack. I feel like the sack that he got half of was really should have been all of his. But that's fine. We won't <laughs> we'll split that hair. We'll give it to somebody named. Gerald Wilbon, who's on, who's on the squad. Um, now, Gerald Wilbon's a, a heck of a young um, D lineman. He's he's out of uh, out of Louisiana, I think. But he's he's yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to see a ton of playing time. Um, no, so I think Puna Ford was great. Um, you know, Hager didn't cause as much disruption in the backfield. I think uh, he may have gone against probably the best tackle he he's going to see all year. So he was. He was kept out. Uh, Roach looked yeah. good again. McCullough looked good again. I thought Gary Johnson looked really good. Malik came a little bit down to earth. I don't know if he had different assignments this week. He didn't seem to be crashing quite as hard. Still looked good. Still looked very, very good. He's definitely mm-hmm. the best linebacker in the Big 12. I feel very confident saying that. Looked very good. Um, but I almost there was plays where I would look at the two of them and Gary Johnson was uh, getting in the right position, just getting there just at the right second and, and making plays. And so uh, definitely, you know, love to see that. I love that we have a competent uh, linebacking corner in the in the package we use really uh you know gets exploits their their best talents so i think uh nelson as well freeing up on that line but uh but yeah the one thing you put in the notes and i didn't realize this but 65 yards and penalties that's that's pretty tough um i don't remember a particular play that it was like oh that killed the drive on offense or defense that that would have changed the game but still you want to keep that low when you're the 
underdog team playing, you know, a team licking their wounds. We've done that once before coming off an Iowa State upset um, and is going to be focused in at home, ready to, you know, ready to put the hurt on you. You have to do everything you can not to uh, not to give them any help. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a tough one. I think the better team won, unfortunately, but uh, but Texas. I think this is a good point to transition because Texas looked like on the defensive side of the ball that they can play with any team. And I think that applies for what we have going forward, especially including the, uh, the Kansas game. I'll go ahead and play the role of host today and preview or uh, Kansas preview transition right here. Um, so Gerald, we have uh, the like Kansas Jayhawks coming up. Can you tell us about this matchup? Well, you know, the big thing is that Kansas beat Texas last year. So this is a revenge game. Now. Um, the, the Wait, game Kansas that- beat Texas. Yeah, in football. I, have, I haven't been on any message boards and seen that uh, directed at any Texas the, fans. The the game that probably cost Charlie Strong his job at Texas. Uh, yep. And sent Deontay Foreman on a path to the NFL last year uh, would be would be that game. But Texas is a 33-point favorite. I think it's what the line opened up at. Um, you know, ESPN's like whatever you know, win predictor has them at a 98% win percentage. There's not a ton to um, – Tend to talk about mm-hmm. here, you know, uh, their their quarterback Peyton Bender, which is a great name uh, for a John <laughs> Hughes movie, <laughs> um, is is throwing more interceptions and touchdowns this year. You know, Herbert, their running back, is pretty good actually. Yeah, six hundred fifteen yards this year, which not a bad clip for a running back. Um, a running back playing playing behind in every single game. Exactly, and so you know, Kansas is is, is just. It sounds bad, but they're not a good team, and so hopefully Texas can come out and do a little something on on Saturday and, and pull the five hundred. Well, in in Kansas came in as as a, as an underdog to a winless Baylor team, and I saw a stat that it was like the first time in in twenty years that a a winless team with with more than five losses had come in as a more than a touchdown favorite over another team. So, uh, and again, we've been saying Baylor was going to catch someone. They're the most dangerous <laughs> zero win team in the country, which brings me joy to say but now they're they're the most dangerous one win team but they got kansas 38 to 9 um which which means i mean by proxy again the uh one of those those math uh, rules that texas should win this by 60 points um so i had a i had a brief uh, trivia for you their only win the kansas jayhawks is against southeast missouri uh which is not even a particularly devastating fcs team can you guess without googling the mascot for southeast missouri the River Hawks. You were very close. You were very close. The Jayhawks actually beat the Red Hawks. Ah, dang. The the Semo Red Hawks. Um oh, I was close. Which yeah, I did not know without Googling, but uh yeah, I wanted to pull that one back from you. But Texas uh Texas has been a little bit of a flat track bully. They have beat bad teams and they've beat them pretty soundly. Um the defense, you know, stranglehold choke, took the ball away, uh pretty much just pythoned Baylor out of the game immediately so they never had a chance um Texas looked like a very competent team against San Jose State Chris Warren ran all over them we moved the ball our offense actually looked good to the tune of a 56 to 0 old school Texas win um do you think that a big win a 33 and then some of a 50 point win a 49 point win uh gives this Texas just a little bit of feeling of that swagger back even if it is Kansas but where they come out and they say um you know we, we did this we kind of talked in the USC game about how they sported a little bit off you know feeling like after a Maryland humiliating loss and then coming and rectifying against San Jose State so after a tough TC loss if they can get a big win and again we're not assuming anything Kansas beat them last year, but assuming they can get a big, decisive win, 
Do you think that propels them forward as we look into the bowl eligibility in the final games? Well, I think I think those are two separate things. I think yes, I think Kansas can can definitely springboard you. I mean, hanging half a hundred, hanging sixty on on anybody feels good, no matter because it's not like you're you can't. It's hard to do that against the practice squad. Mm-hmm. So doing that against anybody that's got live bodies is has to make you feel good as a team. So hopefully that does propel them. I think bowl eligibility. Um, I don't. I don't know if it's good enough to propel them to a win over West Virginia in Morgantown. Uh, Morgantown terrifies me because all they do is is drink, watch football, and burn couches. So I don't know if that's uh, if if it gets them a win there. But I do think um, being five hundred or being you know having a shot at taking going to a bowl game for some of these seniors mm-hmm. for the first time um in in their entire career at Texas you know these guys this is their fourth year and, and this would be their only yeah. bowl experience so i think that's that's they've got an opportunity to do that i say it's their only bowl experience i think they got one as a freshman if i recall correctly it's been it's been such a long and dry spell right. Kyle which is ridiculous yeah. to say um but yeah so i think there is there's a way that that could happen and again i think they may be able to to cherry pick TCU at the end of the year because I think maybe Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be on the way out. Uh, he's, he's his seat is getting pretty warm, so I think bowl eligibility is is still a possibility. Uh, maybe that's just me being optimistic. What do you think? I mean, I think again we're assuming that Texas doesn't overlook Kansas. This is a rivalry game now after last year. So they come out fired up, <laughs> uh, do what they need to do. Um, they're going to be upset at West Virginia for ruining Tom Herman's signature win uh, on the road against the top fifteen Iowa State team because uh, West Virginia beat them in the Riot Bowl. So they're going to come out fired up. They're going to beat West Virginia in in uh, in Morgantown. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. They're 2 for 2 on the road in in ridiculously difficult uh away destinations between Ames and and West Virginia. And then uh yeah, you're right. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury shows up uh in a a full suit doing an Arma- Armani exchange advertisement on the sideline not even calling plays. Therefore, Tech can't pull out a Tech game and Texas wins the last three. This is me being sunshine pumping here. They go with some momentum into the bowl, um, winning their last three and four out of their last five. You go back to the Baylor game. Uh, they win the bowl game, finish eight and five. Tom Herman, great first season. Let's all look at the positive sunshine. Connor Williams is back. He's saying everyone stays, comes back another year, 11 wins next year. We'll get into that. But, yeah, I think this could be good. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going super optimistic this week. Uh, that, I want some of that Kool-Aid at my front door tomorrow because that that's some good <laughs> – that's some good stuff. So quickly, we've got a little bit of time because we didn't have a ton to preview about Kansas other than they're bad. This is a big week for for the uh, the non-revenue sports, we'll call it. Basketball is in there. but So basketball tips this Friday, 7 p.m. against Northwestern State. Um, I'm not sure what Northwestern State is. It's, it sounds like the made-up team that you uh, you play against your first week in the NCAA oh, yeah. created player mode. Uh, so, so Northwestern State, uh, Kyle, what's what's the se- what's the season outlook for for Texas basketball looking? Um, well, uh, good. Um, I, I mean, there's there's some excitement around this team. Uh, there's some some uh, excitement around uh, some of the players on this team, namely one. Mo Bamba, say it with me, Mo Bamba. Uh, he's going to be awesome. I'm going to be saying that a lot this year. Um, I think probably since a Kevin Durant, maybe Miles Turner, uh, but for me, since Kevin Durant, this is as excited as I've been for a uh, for a guy coming on campus. Uh, he's looked good. Um, I've talked a little bit with our, our Barking Carnival um, 
basketball writer, bitter white guy who is uh, who's incredible, and uh, in in Jeff Haley over there, and uh, in they're loving it and they're saying I should be every bit as optimistic about Mo Bamba as, as I am. Um, he's, he's going to be here for a year. So really enjoy it. He's projecting right now, you know, barring injury or anything crazy at like a top five pick. So, um, really enjoy it. He's a big man who can, who can dribble, can get, get out and shoot the three, uh, with like a seven foot four wingspan and shooting three points. It's awesome. Um, it's a fun team. They brought a couple guys back, um, from last year's team. Uh, they have a lot of talent. They're not, in the top 25, I think they're legitimately like number 26 or 27, just right out in that others receiving votes um, outside of it. But preseason basketball is even more wonky than preseason football, so you shouldn't put too much stock. But they did have a victory over uh, the preseason top 25, one uh, Texas A&M uh, Aggie. Um, and, uh, and so that's got to make you feel pretty good. Um, they really should have won that game much, much more handily. It ended up being like a four-point game, but they were up by like 12 or 15 most of that game. Um, again, it was a scrimmage to benefit Hurricane Harvey. It was, it was a pretty cool thing that they did. Uh, it was kind of last minute, didn't have a ton of time to prepare. But nonetheless, they came out and won that game. Um, does some good momentum. And just FYI, Northwestern State is the Demons. Um, I believe my brother actually played them. Uh, Texas State went there, and, and my parents made that trip. And they, uh, I think they actually literally were – driving back when Katrina hit. Um, so it was nuts. Yeah, they were, like, driving out of Louisiana. So uh, so it's, it's that's how I always remember that school. But, wow. um, but yeah, so the, the, the Demons will start it off. Hopefully Texas uh, will get all the wins they're supposed to, get the kinks out in preseason and, and come time for, for Big 12 when the Big 12 basketball is looking absolutely, uh, absolutely rough, um, including Kansas. Our, our basketball or our football opponent this week is, is a preseason number four. Again, looking like a favorite to, to win the Big 12. But uh, we'll see if Texas has something to say about that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting. It's hard to to bet against a guy like Mo Bamba. He's he's. I feel like he's going to be like Kevin Durant was when he was on the Forty Acres. He's he's going to propel them to a couple of wins that they probably shouldn't get. I think back to uh, to OSU, yep. the the fifty three overtime game, what it felt like. But he, there's also going to be games where you know he's an eighteen year old kid coming off of a high school basketball career, so maybe he has a down game or two. Uh, highlighting some other sports, Texas women's basketball is really stinking. Good. Good. They're number two preseason ranked. Uh, so big ups to the to those ladies. Uh, women's soccer. We highlighted them earlier on in the season. Uh, they did not win the conference. Right. They they finally they had a twelve or fifteen game um, unbeaten streak, which they was phenomenal. But they drew a number four seed in their bracket, you know, sixty fourteen postseason brackets, which is awesome. Uh, it's been several years since they've done that. Women's volleyball continuing to roll. Jared Elliott has had that team on a tear for the last decade. It feels like, honestly, probably is about a decade. Um, so they're number three in the nation. They've, they're obviously going to get a uh, have a decent shot at the uh, the NCAA title again this year. <laughs> and then Texas is a swimming school. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Texas is a swimming school. Uh, so the women, the women's swimming and diving team is ranked number two in the nation, and the men's swimming and diving team is number five. Uh, continues to be a destination yes. for Olympians left and right when it comes to women, uh, women and men's swimming and diving. So Kyle, before we before we dip out today, we do have to honor our favorite tradition and bang the drum. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Um, well, I'll go back to football. Um, so we we know. Uh, 
much to our chagrin, we know this is a four and five team. Uh, we know that they've looked good, and actually last week in the Sagarin ratings, which um, if the Aggies will tell you can can put things on the outside of your stadium if it's good enough. But Texas was ranked number twenty uh, in the country <laughs> as a as a four and four team, but uh, came in number twenty. They're they're not out yet this week, to my knowledge. But uh, it's a good team, you know. But I actually was looking at and and uh, Texas is even with a losing record is a plus sixty nine. Nice in the uh, in the uh, point differential, um, which is uh, which is solid, um, you know, for for any team, but especially a team that's that struggled to score points. That shows you how good that defense has looked. And you you pair that with the fact that uh, Texas is, uh, according to this uh, ranking I was looking at, uh, had the tied with Ohio State for the third hardest strength of schedule. Penn State being one, Oklahoma being two. Um, and sadly, Florida State being six, guys. Um, but uh, but yeah, with the third hardest strength of schedule, they're still at a plus <laughs> uh, plus sixty nine through through nine games. So um, that's something to hang your hat on a little bit. Um, I know I'm being the optimist, but I just feel like I need to. This has been a few years of me being a pessimist, and I'm trying a new thing where I'm just really uh, optimistic about this team, but not to the point where I let it crush me when when we fail to meet that. But uh, there is a little bit of silver lining. This is a good team that just has had some bad breaks, some bad injuries. <laughs> Some unlucky plays, some, you know, one play in each game that could have made it go the other way in about three or four games, and this could be a whole different season, but I'm still holding out. But, uh, but yeah, 69-point uh, positive point differential for a, a, a tough fighting Longhorn team. That, for me, see, I'm such a pessimist when it comes to sports. It's much better for for me emotionally to assume that things are going to go poorly. Uh, so my bang the drum this week, I was looking, I looked past Kansas. I'm going to admit it. I looked past Kansas. So I was looking at um, Texas's last two games. They're going to have to win at least one of these games to make it to a bowl game, which still feels like a ridiculous thing to have to say. But I was looking at, you know, West Virginia and, uh, and Texas Tech. And as of this week, so as of, again, week nine of the NCAA football season, uh, first off, of the top five players, uh, of passing yards per game, four of them are from the Big 12. You got Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, and then Will Greer and Nick Shimonek. I always want to say Shimonek because it, it makes me feel like Michael Jackson. Uh, <laughs> but so so Greer and, and Shimonek are actually tied at number four for most passing yards per game in the country with 340.9, which absolutely terrifies me having to take one of those two guys down at least to to make it to a bowl game this year. So uh, Texas is not out of the woods yet, and hopefully um, they can get some of these seniors, some of these guys that really, like Malik, who signed on to bring the program uh, back to prominence, You know, probably, presumably his last year on the 40 Acres, get them some of that turnaround that, that they felt like they were going to get uh, sooner and and did not so that's what we're looking at banging the drum this week and just curious was uh that you they were tied for fourth was that a combination of of Bouchelle and Elger at fifth or was were they a little lower uh they were significantly lower Kyle I'm gonna be really <laughs> honest with you one hundred and eighty third. They they might they might be. I don't know if either of them have enough uh, attempts to even register on on this on this list. Let's just be honest here. Yikes. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine though. It's fine. So thank you guys so much for listening in again this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can find me uh, weekly on the Texas Pregamer over at Barking Carnival, um, and you can find me all up in Gerald's mentions. Just search for at Kyle Carpenter. He's all over it. Now you can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. You can find the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. 
com. And again, if you like what we do, it would mean a ton if you'd leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. About 10 of you already have. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We'd love to see more of you. You can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you find this podcast. Share it with a friend. Share it with a coworker. Share it with somebody you know loves Texas Longhorn Sports. Thank you guys so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, welcome. Mobamba. Mobamba.